Hello everyone, this is Sanika and you're listening to Hype Talk. It's been super long since I uploaded an episode and I apologize for the disappointment that it may or may not have caused you. I was planning to upload an episode on New Year's Eve, but I couldn't. Then I tried recording twice in the last three months, but that didn't happen. So now here we are in the fourth month of 2021 and I hope this year is treating you well. And if it isn't, we are sailing in the same boat. In the last episode, I very boldly promised an episode on a very beautiful movie, which some of you guessed very well. What I did not consider before making that kind of a commitment was that it's not a good idea to promise things, especially on a creative level, to anyone because you never know what's going to happen in your life and how it might affect your creative process. And within the last few months, I couldn't even bear to watch that particular love story movie after several attempts. So talking about it was a huge struggle. So I finally accepted defeat and decided I'm not going to talk about that love story or any other love story for a while. And then I'm never ever promising anything about my content again. This episode is about a very special show written by my favorite and the coolest writer ever. She's also a producer, a stage artist and a phenomenal actress with an amazing sense of humor. You can't watch any of her YouTube interviews without cracking up. She also looks very proper all the time. Maybe it's maybe it's her hair or maybe it's the fact that she's British. Her name is Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She has written and created the comedy series Crashing. The tragic comedy is what they call it, Fleabag, and another thriller drama called Killing Eve. You can watch Crashing on Netflix and Fleabag and Killing Eve are available on Amazon Prime Video. I'm trying to gather every piece of content the woman has put her hands on and watch it, and so far I think I'm doing a pretty good job. In this episode, we are, I am going to talk about the first one I watched and loved, Fleabag. Fleabag is only two seasons long and has six episodes in each season, so 12 episodes of laughter and tears at the same time. It's wonderful. Watching it is a whole experience, so I can't really break the show down for you into pieces like I did with Game of Thrones because that was different. It was a massive show and a huge plot. I'm not saying this is not a massive show, it's won Golden Globes and Emmys and BAFTA and all that, but here we're keeping it simple and sweet. The play Fleabag is a journey of about three days in the life of the protagonist, but the TV show is a slightly stretched version of the play. Also, the play is a one-woman stage show, so it's just Phoebe talking to us and describing what the world looks like to her. But the show is fairly vivid about her experiencing several feelings throughout the period of a week. The show is decorated with amazing actors like Phoebe herself, Olivia Colman, Sean Clifford, Brett Gelman, in the first season and the very lovely Andrew Scott and Fiona Shaw in the second season. The whole show is basically getting into the life of this 30-something woman we know nothing about. We don't even know her name. Most of the people in the show are nameless by the way. I think that's pretty cool. The show is based and shot in London so it's naturally very charming with all the accents and the lovely clothes and their hair. It's mostly just dark humor so you don't really catch your breath and laugh but, but it's surely very very funny. One of the most interesting things about the show is Phoebe breaking the fourth wall and talking to the camera every now and then 
it has this touch of a stage play and you feel like you're being very intrusive every now and then trying to get a peek in her personal conversations but also she wants you to be a confidant or a friend or just an outsider to whom she wants to show that she's got her shit together and she has absolute control over everything that happens in her life so much that she can predict what the next person is going to say but every now and then there are these flashes of her sleeping with someone and moments with her best friend that are somehow connected to what's presently happening in her life which appears to be the dark side of the story and in the first season i feel like she's majorly trying to hide it from us that she's done this horrible thing in her life which is and just trying to run away and she just wants to see she just wants us to see the good part and the happy part and the funny part but eventually it all comes out in the open Claire is Fleabag's sister. She is also one of the very few named characters on the show. She's played by Sean Clifford and is introduced in the first episode itself and plays this kind of an important role throughout. Claire is this typical letter sister who is rich and proper and successful. They have a very distant yet a lovely sibling bond and it's so distant that Claire tries to hug her after a feminist lecture at the end of the first episode. And Fleabag freaks out because she thinks Claire's trying to hit her and so she hits back but it's also lovely at the same time because it's not like they don't care about each other they're distant but they're obviously concerned about each other and they have absolutely nothing in common one has a pretty messed up dating life and the other one is married to a horrible man we'll get to that later one is broke and the other one is rich and it's so amusing to see them try to tolerate each other Sean and Phoebe have this amazing sister chemistry on screen. One of my favorite scenes with Claire on screen from the first season is when Fleabag shows up at Claire's doorstep in the second episode and Claire goes, "Are you all right? What's happened? Are you hurt?" And she says, "No, can I come in?" <laughs> and Claire like, "Why didn't you why didn't you text? Who expects your own sister to text?" Another one of them is when they meet in a graveyard. Fleabag goes for jogging around the graveyard by the way. One of the many dark and twisty things about her. Then the both of them go on a silent retreat which is one of the very funny bits of the show. And in the fifth episode both of them have a very beautiful moment and finally hug each other. And I think it's very thoughtful and amazing to show a relationship evolve from an awkward hug to a very sweet moment in just 5 episodes. Another prominent character of the show is the stepmother played by Olivia Colman. You might know her from The Crown or Broadchurch. She's also made an appearance on The Office if I'm not wrong. Also a phenomenal actress by the way. Please watch The Crown, it's amazing. She is Fleabag's stepmother and boy, is she mean. And what's astonishing is the fact that she needs absolutely no effort to be mean and cocky. She's one of those women who can just slide insults under smiles. and i'm a fan of the character the way phoebe has written it i don't think the woman has a heart actually the character is a painter and a sculptor she used to be a godmother to fleabag and claire before their mom dies and she isn't married to their father yet but they do get married at the end of the show olivia colman has rocked every scene and frame she's in but particularly i enjoy watching her boss their father around and now talking about the men on the show all of them exceptionally talented actors but really weird characters and i think 
because there isn't a proper male protagonist in the first season the show comes off as feminist i'm not saying that's the only reason why i'm also not saying it's not a feminist show we have four men in this season completely different from each other we have fleabag's father we have harry fleabag's ex martin and then we have the asshole guy which is a reference i can't really explain now you're going to have to watch the show for that and we have the guy on the train and the lone guy she hasn't given names to these characters by the way so don't blame me for poor naming skills she has a very different and unique relationship with all of them she has a very distant again a very distant relationship with her father same as her sister in the last episode of the first season however they bond over losing a very special person in both of their lives and there is some bonding in the second season as well Harry from the picture that Fleabag draws in the first two episodes is that he's that guy you just can't cut off from your life either because he keeps coming back to you or because you keep going back to him until one of you moves on he's also strangely and unapologetically feminine for some reason i didn't quite get why she had to write his character like that but then i have a million wise coming up next we can't keep pondering over all of them It's so good to watch these two characters together on screen. A part of the reason is because as I said earlier she already knows what he's going to say or what he's going to do and at no point does it seem annoying at all because of the way she says it. It's almost like she's making a little fun of the person but also she's letting us in on it. Harry has made everyone laugh a lot with everything he's said and done and it seems like they had been in this on and off relationship for a long time now and that is why at the end of the first season when she sees him with his new girlfriend she's a bit shocked because she didn't see it coming i actually hate the last episode of the first season because nothing goes right i love the fifth one though it's it's got a lot of important and deep thinking bits that really get to you but the sixth one is a headache right from the beginning the step mom's horrible to her she meets harry and his new girlfriend we finally find out what's actually happened to boo and why fleabag just can't get over it and to make things worse claire bails on her and somehow she finds herself exactly as betrayed as boo did and is about to do exactly what boo did until the lone guy meets her asks her if she's okay approves the loan for the cafe and and that bit she says at the end is something i'll never forget my whole life she basically says that she's scared of the fact that her body is the only appealing thing she has with her and when it wears out time will take that away from her too and there's nothing more upsetting than someone not wanting you not wanting your body and i feel like so many girls so many women face this incredibly disgusting thought very frequently and it scares us that someone might not find us attractive physically because we've been told over and over again that it's the most important thing and even today most women believe on the inside that this is all we have and it breaks my heart whenever i come across situations like these or even thoughts like these sometimes it's mortifying to look inside your own mind because we keep wondering why we're not confident with our bodies with ourselves when the real reason is that we look down upon ourselves because someone else once did 
and as much disturbing and horrible it is to objectify women, it's even more terrible when we let those things get to us and carry them within us all our lives. While we're on the subject, please listen to The Guilty Feminist, which is a podcast on Spotify. It's by Deborah Francis White. It's available, I think it's available on Google Podcasts as well. Especially listen to the episode featuring Phoebe Waller-Bridge. It's about judgment and how women struggle with it. Coming back to feedback. The second season was just about one person and one person only. And that was, of course, Andrew Scott, or as he's known to be, the hot priest. Personally, I'll always choose the second season over the first season because not just because of Andrew, but a lot of good things happen in this season. Also, I love how there's a slight shade of spirituality. I've got a bunch of favorite scenes in this season as well because there's a lot of good acting and monologues and heated conversations, a lot of mocking, swearing and some action also. This season opens on a very reunionish note. Uh, the whole crazy family is on a dinner celebrating Claire and Fleabag's father getting engaged to their stepmother and they're actually meeting straight after a year. Meanwhile, Fleabag's made a lot of progress. According to her, she's in a very positive and a good place mentally and physically as well. This dinner is actually one of the finest dinner conversations because as I've mentioned earlier, the one thing this show is known for is the writing and the rawness of it, the authenticity, the drama, the feeling of knowing her and everything she's thinking and everything she's done and knowing all of the others through her perspective. And I think the, the dinner is the best example of it all together. Now, let's talk about what's new this season. I'm going to save Andrew for later because he has a very vital role in the plot. Actually, Phoebe said this in one of her interviews that she needed a reason for Fleabag to come back to the audience or rather a reason to let the audience come back to Fleabag and that's why she wrote the hot priest character who can see her talking to us. How insane is that? But as I said, I'm going to save all the church talk for later and talk about Claire first. Claire's such a vibe again. Oh god. She's also got some of the best lines on the show. Some of them are even better than Fleabag's lines. And not just the lines, but the way Sean holds the spirit of the character throughout the show and the way she handles everything and bursts out lines like my husband's an alcoholic and it was my miscarriage and it looked like a pencil. And she also finds love this season and the award function, the portrait, the lawyer, the last begging scene, oh god. The list just goes on. I'm such a big fan of the actress and the character as well. All of Claire's scenes are incredibly fun to watch, right from the dinner, the miscarriage to the very end at the wedding. But I guess the disastrous haircut tops all of them. She also appears to be much stronger this season. She's seen taking a stand for herself, claiming what's hers. Although a miscarriage might not be the right thing to claim so aggressively. But we know she has issues so anyway. It's rather amazing how by the end of the season she's a completely different person and she kind of get, gets back at Martin for whatever he's done and said. Now I know that the last scene was the alcohol talking but sometimes alcohol does have its own benefits. The award function was the perfect situation to bring out the best in Claire. I absolutely loved everything about that right from the canopies to the farting in the elevator to Fleabag meeting Belinda 
played by Kristen Scott Thomas and coming back to Claire's office and having a small squabble. Speaking of Belinda, she is a woman in her late 50s who is apparently a very successful businesswoman who also gives Fleabag a few words of wisdom. Again, one of the most thoughtfully written pieces on the show ever. Belinda says, and I quote, Women are born with pain built in. It's our physical destiny. Period pain, sore boobs, childbirth, we carry it within ourselves throughout our lives. Men don't. They have to seek it out. They invent all of these gods and demons so they can feel guilty about things, which is something we do very well on our own. And then they create wars so they can feel things and touch each other. And where there aren't, when there aren't any wars, they can play rugby. And we have it all going on in here, inside. We have a pain on a cycle for years. And then, just when you feel you're making peace with it, what happens? The menopause comes. And it's the most wonderful thing in the world. And yes, your entire pelvic floor crumbles. And you get hot and no one cares. But then you're free. You're no longer a slave, no longer a machine with parts. You're just a person in business. Of all the considerable amount of literature that I've read and continue to read, that is by and for women, never have I come across something that explains menopause in the way she does. Explaining it is way far. I haven't even read anything dealing with this subject. There's something innately beautiful about a woman in her late 50s talking to a woman in her 30s about what life has to offer at a certain age and why she should look forward to it. I don't know how she writes it. I just don't know how these things just come to her and she brings them to us just so flawlessly. Okay, the last thing that I'm going to talk about before I move on to Andrew and lose track of time is the counselling session with Fiona Shaw. I love how the show is filled with people I absolutely love. Fiona Shaw was of course in Harry Potter and Killing Eve, which hopefully I'll get to talk about very soon. So the session is actually a present from her father to Fleabag because he somehow just assumes that she's not doing well mentally. Now, Fiona is a typical therapist who is apparently very good at her job. And the session is very amusing to watch until she answers one of Fleabag's questions saying, you already know what you're going to do. And Fleabag questions her saying, so what's the point of you? To which she again answers, you already know what you're going to do. And cut to Fleabag ends up volunteering for Andrew. Also, I know that a show is my type when it got exceptional cinematography like this one. Like if you've watched the show, you probably notice scenes like in the first season, the one in the train when she sees everyone around her crying and coming back to normal for a good three minutes. Or all the smoking breaks in the very first episode. Also the opening sequence in the first episode and the way she says, this is the last story. The list is just unending. And now I think it's time to stop beating around the bush and get to my favorite part of the show. The Hot Priest, played by Andrew Scott. You might know him from Sherlock or Modern Love. I haven't watched Sherlock, but I have watched and loved Modern Love. So, the priest is introduced in the opening dinner sequence itself as the guy who's supposed to get their stepmother and father married. 
The first time Fleabag and the priest exchange words is when she's telling us how no one's asked her a question in 45 minutes and he interrupts her asking, so what do you do? Again, where does she get this stuff from? You know, the first time I was watching Fleabag, if you remember, there's there's a scene where she stares at a dog and the dog stares back at her and she goes, can't go out with the dog. And I wondered, but what if someone stares back at her who's even worse than a dog? Like someone she just can't date or worse, just shouldn't go out with. And then she went ahead and fell in love with the priest. But I can't blame her. I mean, look at him. And he's gay, by the way, which makes him even more out of league and which makes her situation sort of relatable. I don't know. So anyway, Martin being Martin says what he says at the dinner and Fleabag punches him hard and rightly so. And after that, the priest gives her his card and she actually goes to the church. Not because he gave her his card, but to pay him back. And he's in the middle of his church thing, which he ends by saying, please be seated. But what Fleabag listens is peace be with you. So she says, and also with you. And so he obviously notices her in the crowd and gets flushed and starts fumbling. And for some reason, I find it very attractive when guys are awkward and embarrassed and not pretending to be confident. Not just me, actually, most girls do. My favorite part is later in the same scene when he asks her, what makes you a normal person? And she says, I don't believe in God. And there's a picture frame of Jesus right on the wall right behind her, which instantly drops. And he's like, I love it when he does that. And I find it very interesting that he never urges her to change her beliefs or challenges her directly, but indirectly gets her to do a lot of Catholic stuff throughout the season. One of which is reading the Holy Bible. Another one was in that silent room where you're supposed to be quiet and if you want to say something, you should say it out loud. And what Fleabag says out loud is something I can't say here but please go listen to it it's a pretty gutsy thing to say after the silent room they go back to her cafe where he confronts her for the second time about her disappearing somewhere which is actually her talking to us by breaking the fourth wall the first time he confronts her was when they sit on a bench outside his house discussing foxes and how many kids she wants they don't but they do it's very sweet The next thing you know, they're in love. I feel like discussing kids is the green flag for falling in love. Anyway, I think it was a genius idea to come up with him being able to see her talk to us. But I didn't really get why it started so much later in the plot. Because they hardly met after that confrontation. I think it's just three times. One of which is later after the second confrontation in the cafe. When she misses her mother and boo. And goes to the church and she's on the verge of praying. That's what happens when I fall in love with the priest, by the way. When she finds the priest very, very drunk. And I think he kind of has a drinking problem, but no one's really addressed it, so I'm just going to leave it in the air. That is followed by the Neil scene, which is one of the most honest, dramatic, dark, emotional, and overwhelming scenes in the history of people making confessions in a church. I have a list of people who have cried after watching it. I have a separate list of people who cry every time they watch it. 
the second list is just me actually because as someone who is very skeptical about god and has faith issues with him i don't know how to not relate to that and how to stop thinking about all the wrong i'm doing or have done in the past and i don't know how to not be scared of it and all of this isn't isn't even coming from anything that's close to whatever she's done or faced but somehow i just don't know how to stop feeling that i'm always doing the wrong thing and taking the wrong decision and i think it's why people believe in something bigger than them because that's how they probably know they're not doing anything wrong and even if it's not going to make any difference at least they're not scared but anyway it's a pretty intense topic she deals with actually a bunch of int- intense topics not just this speaking of intense the fifth episode is when they sleep together and i feel like that was unnecessary and was kind of over the line because it was clear that he loved her so they didn't have to you know show it but anyway they get through the wedding and i realize i've skipped multiple things like when feedback finds her father and martin's speech about a crappy personality and claire begging martin to leave her and running to the airport to get the man she loves and after all of that they meet at the bus stop and he chooses god over love and leaves i'm very curious to know what happens after that does she ever go to the church again or do they ever meet and if yes what happens and if not how do you cut a person out of your life okay so this was it i'm sorry if i've irritated you by repeating the word feedback 35 times but i don't really have much of an option i tried calling her f for a while but that sounded very vulgar on that note i'm going to sign off thank you for listening till the end i hope you like this episode i hope that you love the show too keep watching this space for more updates